I want you to get your Bibles and turn to John chapter 13. Anybody have a Bible with you? Raise your hand if you have a Bible. If you have yours in your phone, wave your phone. Um, don't text while I'm preaching unless you're texting the message. Anyway, um, John 13, 34, and 35. I, I've had it on my heart on these Friday nights to discuss the importance of the love walk. And uh, love is... Uh, the subject, and this is the text. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to go to 1 John 4. But the Apostle John, he said in chapter 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now this, you guys, is the big deal. And um, this is how people are going to get you know, aware of the kingdom of God and the culture of the kingdom. And this is the preeminent virtue of the kingdom. It's the greatest. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that the greatest aspect of everything is love. And then 1 John 4 says God is love. Faith, hope, and love are all big deals. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And also, faith is the substance of things we hope for. So we are to be very extremely hopeful. That's not wishful thinking. It's not hoping we have good luck. It's, that it's biblical hope. We fix our hope on the living God. We have hope as the anchor for our souls. As, as believers, through high times and hard times, we hold to our hopes. But hope is projected out in the future. Faith obtains that and holds on to it for now. Now faith is the substance of things we hope for. It's the evidence of things we don't see. Now the reason I'm teaching on love is because Galatians 5.6 says, hey, circumcision, uncircumcision, whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, really doesn't mean a thing at this point. What really matters is faith working through love. So it's really, you know, um, the, the Ten Commandments are so, the ones articulated through God, through Moses by God, and then the, the hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament are all very significant. God's laws are, they're laws. There are physics laws in the physical world. There are God's laws in the spiritual world. But for, for John to say, a new commandment I give you, it's the law of love. And it's, it's that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, how, what kind of love did God have for us? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 1, and we'll read 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, 1 it, it, it tells us as, as beloved, as, as beloved children, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Uh, you know, I was listening to Harry Chapin's 1974 release, Cats in the Cradle, today. I was listening to the lyrics. It's one of the better pop songs of our time. And um, it, it, it's talking about, and he said it, it that, that when, he, when he, he wrote it with his wife, his wife helped him with the lines, it's his number, only number one hit, uh, and it was about uh, kids imitating their parents. And it, it is haunting because the dad was busy working and putting it off and putting off connection, and then as, he, as the child grew, then he, when I went into the same thing, I want to be like you, dad, you know. And, and, and this verse is telling us something similar, only not to go on the wrong track, but go on the right track. And so this is how he says it. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Everybody say, walk in love. Now, we hear this, and this, this phrase is, is bandied about in our movement, the love walk. How many of you, how many of you have ever heard the love walk? It's, that's, that's church vernacular. That's, that's church speak. Like if we were out at Deerberg's and we were talking to some unsaved person, you know, they say, hey, how you doing? I say, oh, I'm just working on my love walk. You know, it'd be, they, excuse me, you know, um, but 
we understand that, that what it means is living out uh, that, that value and that, that, that dimension that God is calling us to in our jobs, in our marriages, with our kids, with our neighbors, with our church, with our world we live in, with the lost. God's called us to a love revolution. And uh, that's how they're going to know we're his disciples. And, you know, um, it says here, it says, walk in love. It even, and then look at what the rest of it. It says, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and offering in a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So God has called us to an interesting way of life as Christians. As Jesus followers, he's called us to something really, really different from where we were before. We were selfish, um, you know, looking out for number one, you know, which was us and which was me. And then when we made Jesus number one, now his interests have become our focus. And we're growing in that. How many of you want to grow in the love walk? I do. I do because I want my, my faith to work. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking about the world we live in right now. And Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife. Hatred stirs up strife. I remember I was driving in another city. And there was a, a protest with about four or 500 people out in the streets. And we got, I didn't know what it was about. And when we got to the hotel, we turned on the local news in that city. And there was somebody, and they, 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 they said the name of the president. And the, the, the lady said, we hate, and then named the president of the United States. And it just sent chills through me. Because her eyes were different than just a concerned citizen or just an irate individual. Um, I would even say it was demonic. And uh, the hatred. And hatred stirs up strife. And where there's jealousy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. The devil wants all hell to break loose, so to speak. And um, hell is interested in us being hateful and so that strife can be manifest. I'll tell you what, even in the church, John uh, and, and who, the writer of Hebrews, John the apostle, they all said, man, it's important to walk in love. The writer of Hebrews said, beware of a root of bitterness that would spring up and cause trouble and that by it many would be defiled. So uh, resentment is a trap. Uh, unforgiveness is a prison. And, and being hateful stirs up strife. But love covers all transgressions. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 quotes the same uh, statement. It bumps that Old Testament truth into the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament says that love covers all transgressions. First Peter goes on and says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. How about that? We were singing about how precious the blood of Jesus is. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So he laid down his life, and he took that initiative, and then he's called the church to, you know, walk in a different way. I was talking to a guy today. He was a police officer earlier in his life, in his career, his starting career. He said to cope with some of the difficulties of his life, he developed toughness and a not just grit, but aggression. And, uh, you know, he said that in, and when he became a Christian, he realized he had to crucify that, 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 but it was so much his identity to be the hard guy and the, the heavy-duty kind of ominous guy. And then he reads in the Bible where it says, turn the other cheek, and he said, I want to turn his cheek. <laughs> I thought, that's funny. I'd never heard it, you know, I'll turn your cheek, but like, you know, jack your jaw kind of a thing. But... Um, no, God has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light to show forth his excellencies. And this is hard when I'm preaching. And I'll tell you another thing. I'm a male, and I related to what that guy had to say. And, in fact, the love walk, is it, it takes more discipline and more self-control and more effort than just flying off the handle. Anybody can do that. The, in fact, one of the... One of the in Galatians 5, 
20, what, 22, it talks about the deeds of the flesh, and one of them is sudden outbursts of anger. Easy. You just flip out. You go from zero to 60 and just, you know, just, just exhibit all kinds of, you know, and, uh, but, but what I'm teaching here, if it's, we, it's a discipline, right? We got to get a hold of this. Now, the good news is that this is uh, the, the, it's at the very top of the, of the nine fruit of the spirit, the recreated human spirit upon entry into the kingdom of God. There's such a change of heart. And that's why John could say a new commandment I give you. Those other commandments were given to, to lost souls prior to salvation. And so thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, and so forth. You know, and now the royal law, and I heard it preached this way, and I agree, that it's, it's, it's a new commandment. It's the number one. If you do this one, you're not going to violate any of the other ones. Because those that are God-designed to curb sin... Um, it's all covered in love people. When you walk in love, we're on to something. And this is, you know, if we're going to develop anything, I want to develop my faith. That's why I spend a lot of time in the Word. I want to develop and maintain hope so I don't get depressed or cynical because I've been there and you can lapse into that easily and we've got to address that with uh, and, and be biblically optimistic, be positive. That's why I preach the way I preach, because it, there's enough depressing negativity out there and bad reports for us to just go down into the darkness with it. But these things actually help us to know how to deal with that, how to cope. No, we don't deny any of it. It's reality. But the higher reality is that love covers a multitude of sins, that love covers all transgressions. And new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Now, how did he love us? He loved us so much, he, sacrificially. And in and, and, and a life like that, at points, sometimes the devil will whisper to you, you're wasting your time, you've sacrificed too much, you've become, you know, and, and, and look what you could have had, you know. And, and um, I'll tell you that this is the stuff that heaven likes. This is the stuff that you hear the big five, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you aspire to that? So let's develop in the love walk, right? Let's just, let's just see, seize upon it. And if you're writing down some, some uh, if you're taking notes, I've got, I already told you 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it, it underscores the preeminence of love. Pastor John over there gave me a book um, called The Greatest Thing in the World, Love, which is written by Henry Drummond. Henry Drummond wrote this, a famous book, and Pastor John gave me his copy, which shows that he was walking in love. Thank you for the sacrifice. And he writes about the spectrum of love, the spectrum of love. And in 1 Corinthians, he quotes it in the King James uh, love suffers long. It's patient. That's what one translation says. So the, the spectrum of love is patience. It's kindness. It's generosity. Love envies not. It, it's not after somebody else's stuff. In fact, it wants to give. It's generous. Love is, has humility. Love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, is not arrogant, doesn't brag, has humility. Love is courteous, it has courtesy, it does not behave itself unseemly. Um, love is unselfish, it seeks not its own. Love is good-tempered, it doesn't uh, turn the other person's cheek, it turns its own cheek, right? I thought that was funny, man. I'd never heard that before. Turn the other cheek, I want to turn his cheek. Uh, Ernie Conwell said it says turn the other cheek, it doesn't say let him punch you in the same cheek again. So it's like just uh, you don't become a punching bag, but you also don't retaliate. Practicality-wise, how do we do this? Um, God will help us. God will shine light on us. But we just underscore and see for a while that, that, that this is so important. Uh, in fact, you know, I want to I turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And we'll read this out loud together in the New American Standard. It'll go up on the screen. Ready? Let's read. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. 
does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now I'm going to read this to you in the, in the uh, J.B. Phillips, the first John chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 7 and 8. To you whom I love, I say, let us go on loving one another, for love comes from God. Every man who truly loves is God's son and has some knowledge of him. But the man who does not love cannot know him at all, for God is love. Everybody say, God is love. When I got saved in the early 70s, they, um, the thoughtful disciplers and soul winners got a, a living Bible that was paperback, and it had a graphic, a, a photographic graphic on the cover, and it was the greatest is love. Remember that copy? There are millions of those handed out. And that was my first Bible, the Living Bible. Then I got around people that they were focused on the New American Standard. It was before the NIV, the New International Version, was written, through the, before the New King James, before the Message Bible, before the Passion Bible, before all those Bibles. And, uh, and I couldn't understand the King James because I wasn't the neighbor of William Shakespeare. You know what I'm saying? Dost thou gettest my... And uh, like it said to lay aside all superfluities of naughtiness. I, I, I did kind of understand that. That sometimes the King James says it, says it better than the contemporary. Super, that was me as a teenager. Superfluities of naughtiness. Yeah, that was me. Or, or another one was certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. I thought, yeah, that, uh, that, was, my, that was my crew. That was, yeah, that was my, I need a, yeah. Um, but it's helpful to get um, different translations and, uh, and just spend time in the Word. I heard a pastor recently say, you know, um, to read it, sometimes we get in a thing where we, in our brain, we go, oh, I know that verse. And it becomes not as, not as um, vital to us. It's like we just kind of, yeah, God so loved the world. But then we read it from a different point of view, and it's like, wow, it kind of tweaks. I think our brains need to stay out of monotony. And I'm not implying that your translation is monotonous. I'm saying we need to, um, you know, sometimes put salt on something, sometimes put some pepper on something, sometimes get some paprika. Yeah. All right? Paprika. Everybody say paprika. So this is the preeminence of love. Galatians 5. And this is why I'm preaching it. I, for in Christ Jesus, five, Galatians 5, 6, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. See, a lot of people, this is, I, I have yet, I, I'm, I'm at this age and I've never done my family tree kind of a thing. And some of my kids are, and it is interesting. But I got saved. And when I got saved, I realized I'm a descendant of Adam and Eve and then Noah, which is kind of bad because that's where the sin condition came from. But at least I'm in the human race. And then I've been born again, and I, my citizenship is in heaven. I'm just so enthralled with that that all the other stuff... I mean, my mother was a daughter of the American Revolution, so I suppose on her side of the family, there were, there were colonial days and people that have been in America a long time. And that's cool, I guess, you know, but not nearly as cool as being seated with Christ in heavenly places. See what I'm saying? And I've met people from nations that, you know, all over the world, and I really am intrigued by it. I'm often, and you can ask my wife, my lead question is, um, what nation were you born in? You know, and just to, just to find out, you know, and kind of celebrate it, you know, uh, because I'm, I'm fascinated by the variety of the ethnicities around the world. And I read in, in Roman, uh, Revelation that people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every dialect will be gathered around the throne. I saw a lady yesterday, my wife and I were uh, shopping, and this woman had this amazing um, kind of embroidered uh, blouse. And, and I just said, you know, that's just, a, that's just an amazing uh, blouse. She said, 
I got it in Romania. And she said, this is actually really common in Romania. So I told her my brother lived near there and during the, you know, the Cold War and all that. And, and, and uh, it was just, just breaking the ice, you know what I mean? But I'm telling you, we need, in order for us to get really solid, we've got to delve more into our citizenship through Jesus in heaven. And this becomes an amazing it creates a unification and a commonality. Uh, uh, with, it, it, with, it transcends all the ethnicities. You know, Reinhard Bonnke, I, I, I had the, he, had, he died and we went to his per- private family service and then we went to the public service. And in the public service, there were these dignitaries from specific countries in Africa where Reinhard had given so much of his life, his family and his efforts. And... Um, one man got up there and he had these vestments on, you know, of his, the, the, the cloth that represented his country. And he, he just, he just very regal, like royal type man. And he, he got up and he said, I hope it's okay for me to say this. Reinhard was born an African, I mean, born in a German and he died an African. And, and you know, and he, and he had to kind of frame it because of how, you know, is, is that microaggression? Was he racist? No, he was honoring this man who gave his life for a continent, irregardless of uh, the pigment of his skin, right? Can I just touch on this for a minute? Because, uh, uh, you know, as Christians, we've got to get this right and go forward with... Um, wisdom and treat people um, as elegantly as they deserve to be treated. People from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every dialect. And they're all, I mean, the child's song, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. I shouldn't even have to be talking about this in 2023. I shouldn't have to even be addressing it and kind of skirting and dancing around and trying to figure it all out because it's already proven that God so loved the world, which includes everybody and excludes nobody. (laughs) People, I want inclusion. You got it. Look at the cross. You want want unity? Get on your knees, get into your Bible and start living it and quit wanting to turn the other person's cheek and turn your own cheek, right? Hallelujah. Because where there's... There's, uh, there's hatred, it stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Can I hear an amen? Um, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, can you quote it with me? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Look at this. Against such things there is no law. Now, the, this is a new commandment. This is the law of liberty. This is the more excellent way. This is what 1 Corinthians 12, he said, I'll still, I'll show you a more excellent way. And we of the Spirit-filled movement, we who believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. When we read the book of Acts and we see what Joel prophesied, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, uh, that these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and so forth. We believe that and we hunger and we are biblically required to hunger for that. We don't put it off, we don't skip over it. I was talking to Tina, and she said she would be in church, and they would skip over parts of the Bible. And so we've got to go, and and I graduated from a school of Baptists, Calvinist-type Baptists, and and, and the head of the theology department said, look, as a scholar of the Scripture, I would be negligent. I would be off to to deny these these truths. These are truths. Though I don't operate in them, I, I I can't... substantiate that they've passed away with the apostles. It's for today, even though I don't operate in it. I thought, wow, that you're, you're, you're honest. You're being, I appreciate that kind of honesty in the church. Hallelujah. And we as spirit-filled people, we have a lot to learn from people of the different flavors within the body of Christ. And there's never been a more important time for us to consider that as we navigate through life and just seek commonality. And it ends up being about what Jesus did on the cross. When we find people that have experienced the new birth, then that person is our brother or our sister, which we, we should celebrate with and be fervent in our love for them. 
It should start in church. You know, as a pastor for 42 years in town, I've seen people come, I've seen people go. I've seen rich, ongoing, developed, and mature attitudes and relationships, and I've seen people get offended and people come and go and get in strife and leave and be hurt, and I've been hurt. I remember... I was younger and I was hurt towards someone and in my mind I thought, if I see him in public, I don't want to talk to him. And that was just the flesh. Because guess what? I eventually did see him. And you know what? I was glad I saw him. And guess what? I had meals with him. And we had wonderful laughter. And, it, and, and we have ongoing healing from that breach that had occurred. To err is human, to forgive is divine. And when we walk in this love walk, that's where the world's going to see these people are different. Anybody could carry a grudge. Anybody could flip somebody off or punch somebody out or cuss somebody out and walk away. It takes a whole different dynamic, this spectrum of the love walk, because uh, this is where the gifts flow. This is how the miracles occur. This is where our prayers get answered. This is awesome, man. And I pray it. Ephesians 3, oh, this is such an important prayer. Ephesians 3, 17, 18, and 19. Let's put that up on the screen. I pray that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, I, we, us, the whole body of Christ will be rooted and grounded in love. Right? Rooted and grounded in love that we will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, the depth, and to know, see, this is why I'm preaching this, to know the love of Christ. I pray we would know this. The devil hates this. He doesn't want you to feel loved. In fact, there's some of us in here tonight that, perf that you haven't been developed in the love walk, and, and, and you haven't been developed in understanding how much God loves you, and the devil will snipe at you with it. He'll even snipe at you with this if you are developed. He'll try to trip you up and really mess with you. He'll even use scriptures. He'll use loving people to say mean things to you. It, it can be weird, but perfect love casts out fear. And what that means is when you get a knowledge of how much God loves you, you stand a chance to overcome the antagonism the devil uses as his primary attacks. What I mean by that is you get so assured. See, I knew that Clyde Perry, my stepdad, loved me, and I knew he loved my brother. He loved his daughter. He loved us. And you had that assurance, and, 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 and he just assured us of it. He was just, and, and you know, Pastor Virgil, Ed, people, John, um, you, you drove around with my dad. He, he retired. He had this little uh, pearl paint, white pearl paint Lexus two-door. And there's Pastor John in the, in the passenger seat with about 12 all dirty shovels sticking out of the back of that little high-end high retirement sedan that he bought as a reward for his 42 years in aerospace, you know. And it had, it had this most expensive paint job. And he, had, he was driving on the top of the levee with, a, with John Moore going to deliver tools like it was a pickup truck. <laughs> and he just was so loving. And we, we had a civic meeting with, uh, 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 it was Progress 64, and Mike Geisel, who then, he was working just on staff, and then he was later promoted to being in charge of public works in Chesterfield. He's like a you know, real big leader here in town, and now he is the city administrator. And he walked up to me at one of these, these um, times around Thanksgiving, and he said, yeah, I, I was thinking about your dad. And he said that we got a washer, and the washer dryer got delivered, and it was the day before Christmas. And he said, he, he made me get with him, and he said he had to get it to him before Christmas. And so we were, and he, he this big, and, and he's a big, strong guy, real big guy, and and real man's man, and he just burst into tears in this civic meeting with everybody, and how he, he realized that that love, that, 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 see, the love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. And so it, it melted the heart of this local businessman, you know, that he just had to get that wash, new washer and dryer to that family whose washer and dryer got waterlogged by the flood, and they needed a new one, right? So, you know, when it says, um, as beloved children, be imitators of God as beloved children, 
Um, you know, and, and as I said, I listened to that Harry Chapin song. It's haunting. It's haunting because it's like you don't want to let patterns occur that make you cold and distant from each other. I mean, the Cats in the Cradle song could be a song of warning for the church. You know, uh, uh, like we've got we've to constantly flip our priorities to the biblical bias, right? Intentionally. Because the world's trying to flip us to dog-eat-dog, defensiveness, and even hatred and strife where it goes, it goes terminal really fast. But on the other hand, if a group of believers develop the love walk and they're hopeful and full of faith and they stay on point, it just might change the world. And it just might set the stage for great results. That's why the devil works to tempt us to get bitter. And it says, let all bitterness and, and anger and wrath and clamor and abusive speech and so forth and slander be put away from you. There's so much slander, especially during an election year. Did you notice the mudslinging that starts to amplify? It's tragic. You wish for better things for this republic. You would think the leader of the free world would behave better, but it's flesh. It's just, it's just indicative of the fall of man. If you, if, look, people, oh, I don't need a savior. It's like, just watch the election year. We need a savior. Because <clears throat> both sides are going nuts in behavior. It's like, like can't we figure out a, way to, a better way to have a, a, a healthy quality leader emerge that could, could provide leadership for us? I, I, you know, I, this is why I'm so adamant about the kingdom and the culture of the kingdom and how love is patient, it's kind, it's generous, it's humble, it's courteous, right? And so I didn't, I don't think I finished this. Um, did I finish? Yeah, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be full of all the fullness of God. Wouldn't that be something? Just to be so full, so tanked up, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, so tanked up with the joy of the Lord. In fact, I, you know, people, this is what people say. Well, I, I go to that church because I'm being fed. Well, that is true. And my, my attempt in preaching is to, is to fuel your faith, is to feed your spirit and, and starve your doubts to death and to offset the barrage of garbage that's trying to waylay on your brain. So we get back to, you know, if I walk in love, I'm, I'm, most act, I'm acting most like the culture of the kingdom that I'm now a part of, and I'm, since I'm an ambassador for Christ and I'm called to represent him, I'm gonna have to walk in love at the store when people are mean or defer to people over, not just a little bit here and there so we get little brownie points, but so that over a lifetime, so that, uh, God is honored. God is honored. I very much want God to be honored in our church. You know, I want our local church to be continually, you know, reprioritizing, staying with our first love, right? Remembering and repenting and doing the first deeds and staying tender. And um, I, I believe God will help us with that. Colossians 3 I love what this says, Colossians 3.14. Uh, and this is, again, why I'm preaching this. Uh, it, it says, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Did you see that? Did you just see that? That's one of the strongest statements in all of civilization, right there. That verse that verse mule kicks hate right in the teeth. Beyond all these things, put on love. If you read Colossians 3, read the whole thing. It says, if you then be risen with Christ, keep seeking the things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you're dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then it talks about laying aside and fleeing immorality and 
it starts going into detail of, 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 you know, how to conquer and what that really means, what that really looks like, setting your affections on things above. But then it goes, and it says a lot in there. It says a lot. And then it goes in there and says, but beyond all these things. So that's, I'm talking about the preeminence. And, you know, in Philippians 2, it says, if there's any consolation of love, um, and then it says to maintain the same love. And that's, again, my sense for this church. When the beginning of the year, when I got achievement, accomplishment, advancement, and fruitfulness, I knew God was setting us up as a people. He's um, trimmed some branches. He's changed some things around. It's fascinating. Um, God gave me a prophetic heads up about it over and over again. I didn't want to hear it the first few times. But then when I got a hold of it and, re and I matured a little bit, I thought, bring it on, Lord, whatever you want to do. You're the head of the kingdom. It's, you're the head. We're the body. And uh, your will be done. And so I'm pleased with and thankful for the purposes of God in this hour. Amen. And with given all, I mean, this is the, literally the best time we've ever had as a church. We're, we're situated in such an interesting moment. And um, I remember the days before the flood when we got in this building and there was some elating kind of prayer breakthroughs and a lot of the results of a lot of hard work and a lot of perseverance and prayer and years and but and, and that was great and uh you know i remember when that soul winning moment came you know with the sports team and that that period was really interesting and you know um for a church to print six million tracks that's kind of radical you know that's kind of radical and it was radical and it was the favor level was interesting and the opportunities were amazing and just one thing after another, it was like the book of Acts. You know, I would walk up to people, and this would be the lead guitar player from so-and-so's band, and the, 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 we just had this immediate rapport, and we're talking about, and I'm talking about Jesus, and it's like God's opening these doors. And uh, I remember when this building flooded, and the right before the flood, I remember how I felt. I felt spiritual oppression, but I also felt destiny. I felt like, Something wasn't, wasn't right. And it was that impending doom of the looming <laughs> river getting ready to break, the, break through the levee. But then in the midst of all that, God created opportunity for us to connect with people we had never, would never have been able to connect with before. You good with this? Everybody say, walk in love. So above, beyond all these things, Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then let's just read the next one because it's so good. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We're called in one body, got to walk in love, and we've got to be kind. And uh, here, here's what I want to say. Number one, if you're a note taker, this is my outline now. I've just given you the introduction. Love is the greatest of all virtues. Even, even Shakespeare, even, you know, what I, I, rom-coms, you know, romantic comedies are like a big deal. They make, they make billions of dollars because people appreciate love. They make it silly sometimes, but, but real, like the way our dad loved us. That was real. Then he came into the kingdom and he saw the church attempting to move into and advance in the love walk with God loving us and then expressing the love of God. He didn't understand religion or church. He just thought it was for religious people that didn't have anything else to do on Sunday. But then when and he thought we were just kind of, you know, caught up in some, you know, born again thing. But then he got in the culture of the church and over time he just got totally bitten by it, didn't he, John? Where he's driving you and the and, and, he, and what did he always say to you? Let's see what this baby can do. Like, he, and he, he just, Taylor said to me, Dad, I was at Babbler Park with Grandpa, and he got his car up to 100 miles per hour. <laughs> so, so Chief Johnson and his wife, Lily, were in our church for years, and I was a chaplain for about three years for the police department, and, 
and, and they honored my dad without telling us, and they closed off all the exits of the, even Highway 40 on the processional to the cemetery. I, I, I got emotional because it was like traffic was blocked everywhere, and uh, they treated him like he was a dignitary, and it was touching, and I thought if only they knew how many times he broke all these, <laughs> these speed limits. They're honoring this guy. They should have just taken his license away, but... <laughs> Number two, faith works through love. Faith works through love. So number one, it's the highest and best and most satisfying way to live. And then number two, faith works through love. It's, it's a catalyst for answered prayer and for big, consistent results. Faith works through love. It is a catalyst for answered prayer and for big, consistent results results. This is why I'm preaching it. Is it okay? I know, I know this is not like a hallelujah type of deal, but it, yeah, it is. If we act on it, this is where we're going to, and we mature into it, we're going to see some amazing results. Uh, number three, I already said this, but it is at the very top of the nine fruit of the spirit, love. It's a big deal. Love. Number four, it is the central taproot that connects us to God and keeps us stable. It's the central taproot that connects us to God and keeps us stable. Being rooted and grounded in love. Wind blew through here recently. And uh, how many trees fell on your barn, Jim? 20 trees. My red bud that's about 50 years old, it, it, it lost a big limb, you know, and I noticed, you know, when I cleared it away, that what's left is like a Dr. Seuss tree now. And, uh, but all those leaves are like, man, hallelujah. I didn't like that other branch anyway. And it, it's like this flourishing canopy of healthy leaves because it's getting all, it's getting all the, the moisture. You guys still with me? It's the central taproot that connects us to God and keeps us stable. We stay in the love walk. It's a better way to live. You walk, get, step out of the love walk. It hinders faith. It hinders your flow. It hinders prayer. Number five, it is to be discovered, learned, and developed. It is to be discovered, learned, and developed. I just got some tea, back, some tea, some different types of tea from my tea lady that's visiting from Indiana. You guys live in Indiana, right? Yeah. And um, she always has given me such great tea. And, and um, when I was a kid, you know, my parents would drink tea. They'd drink coffee. It's like, Bleh. you know, I just want a Kool-Aid. Or milk, right? And everybody say it's an acquired taste. But now I love it. Matcha tea, this is cool. You know, Earl Grey, what? Bergamot, what's, whatever that is, it's awesome. You know, and now all this posh, you know, coffee snobbery, you know. Well, it's an Ethiopian uh, single batch. What is it? You, you work for Caldi now, so... What's the latest uh, posh coffee? It's the uh, triple, uh, See, he even had to make a snotty, a, a, a snobby. That's not even the way he talks. But in order to talk about Phil is the secret weapon of the Caldi company. He he's, he's at the point now where he travels all over and just comes in and he, he brings the culture up. He, he, he's awesome. And I'm joking about him sounding snobby, although he really did. But it, it triple whatever. I've already forgot what he said, but it's like, mmm, delicious. But actually, a kid drinks it and they go, ah! And, 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 and on first glance, the love walk, it's, are you kidding me? I got to be merciful to people. I got to not be mean, you know. I got to be kind. Yeah. You got to discover it. You got to learn it and acquire a taste for it and develop it, right? 
Two more points. Number, number six, it is to be walked out. It is to be walked out. My wife has said this to me from our marriage. She said, and she said that I've taught her how to walk in love. And I didn't realize that. I wasn't like trying to teach her. I'm going to teach you a thing or so, woman. I, I, didn't, I never want. In fact, when she said that, I thought, when, every time she said that, I thought, I have? But I, I didn't know that. Because the Bible says the husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. So I try to be respectable, but the love walk is, I saw in, in uh, Ephesians 5, is my responsibility as a husband. Actually, it's the responsibility for the wife as well. We're to love our children, we're to love God, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So reality is we're all required to get on this thing, right? I, I, yeah, I didn't badger you about it. I never, I never thought, I know that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Nagging doesn't work. But you know, and I kept, I keep talking about our dad because he was a kind man and, um, and I'm thankful for that. You know, like, um, on the other hand, um, Martin Luther, the, the German man of the Reformation, said due to how harsh his earthly father was, he, one of the hardest doctrines to embrace was the love of God. You know, He said that that was really hard for him to grasp because he did not have the same kind of example. So, but look, church like us, people watching online, wherever you go to church, whatever country you live in, we take this to heart and we do it and we just might be revolutionary in the outcome. And as individuals, we go into situations endeavoring to be gracious, endeavoring to be positive. And again, you know, here, here's Phil. Um, he has so much favor. I, I went to one of the stores he worked at and they talk so favorably about him and they love him. And even as he's had, he's had some real favor, you know, in his, in his role. And there are a number of people in the church I hear reports about. And, and it, it ends up being, oh, well, what was the secret formula? They were walking the love walk over time consistently. If they lapsed out of it, they were quick to get back in it, right? Hallelujah. Last point. It is to be put on, overtly demonstrated. In fact, let's finish with what I, I, that last verse, Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 14. And let's all stand up on our feet. Beyond all these things, put on love. Now, some people would say, oh, you're just putting me on. You're just putting that on. Well, we aren't to be, our love is to be without hypocrisy. The, the word in the Greek is hypocrisis, and it means uh, behind a mask. And you guys ever see the logos, the graphics of the masks in the drama masks, the, the smile and the frown, right? The extremes of, of happiness and sorrow and all that stuff. Well, that's what the, the Romans and the Greeks used to do. They were on a stage. They didn't have a sound system. And they would have amphitheaters, you know, with, with uh, this, the seating that would, would be, uh, you know, up on an on a angle. And uh, they'd be sitting on stones or, or wooden benches. And, uh, you know, they didn't, have, they didn't have the big screens. So there'd be little tiny actors up there. And you'd have the nosebleed seats. And they would try to project their voices. And they would use these masks. And they would manipulate the facial expressions uh, with the mechanics behind the mask. And Paul said, don't operate behind a mask, have sincere, unfeigned love for one another, and also faith. Make it real. The, the, we're at our best when we keep it real. We're at our best in marriage when we say, you know what, when I did that, I was in the flesh. The other person will say, you sure were. And then you say, come on, I'm trying to repent. Hey, uh, well, yeah, I don't think you're repenting enough. I'm repenting as much as I can right now. Well, it's not enough. Come back later when it's... 
Okay, I'll accept that. Everybody say, okay, I'll accept that. You're just apologizing because you want to not feel bad. Right. But I'm also sorry. I don't think you're sorry enough. I mean, you, we can go on for days like that, right? Say this with me. I'm a love creature. Ruled and governed by love. Patience and kindness. Consideration for others. Faith works through love. In order for my faith to work, I will develop my love walk. I forgive everybody. I forgive myself. If I ran into someone, I would be kind to them. I will quit talking behind their backs. I'll quit grumbling and murmuring. Where I feel hurt, I'm no longer living in that loop. I ask God to forgive me. I ask God to forgive them. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do or they knew exactly what they were doing. In Jesus' name. Now, let's bow our heads just for a moment. Put your hand on your heart. If you're not a Christian, ask Jesus to come into your life tonight. Receive him into your life. Ask him to cleanse you and wash you of all your sins. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to avoid. Jesus came to set us free. And if you even just have an inkling of desire for him, act on that and, and, and pledge obedience to him. Open up your heart to him. Confess Jesus as Lord of your life. And in, in case you're here and you've kind of drifted, and you're wondering, how in the world did I get to this place? You feel like there's some callous in your heart or you feel like things have kind of grown numb or dull than the, the kind of challenges of life. Just receive a fresh healing in your spiritual life. Receive a, a, a fresh stirring, a kindling afresh of the fire of God in you. In fact, I want to pray right now for all of you. Heavenly Father, stir up a fire in all of us. Heal our hearts, heal our, and renew our mindsets and cause us to hunger and thirst for you. May we have a personal revival tonight, Lord. May there be such a breakthrough. May there be such supernatural help. In, in Jesus' name, God, say this with me. Jesus, I sure do love you. My Lord and Savior, 100%. From this moment forward, I'm running the race, going the distance with you. Amen. Now, God, I pray healing on people's bodies. I say bodies be healed. I come against cancer cells. I come against heart conditions. I come against arterial damage. I come against liver conditions. God, I pray blood sugar gets better. I come against the, the, the female stuff, endometriosis or cervical stuff or breast tissue, whatever. Male stuff, prostate, whatever. Kidneys, liver. God, I'm asking for your healing power to sweep through this room. People who have lost loved ones, I pray, God, you wipe away every tear and help them and cause them to walk through into the victory uh, and, and be comforted tonight and be blessed tonight. God, I pray we have such hilarious, fun fellowship starting right now. I pray the joy of the Lord would be here. I pray, God, at Ch Brian and Chelsea's wedding, we have that charcuterie and all that. I never even knew what charcuterie was. I thought it was tongues. And so now, Lord, now I just know it's a snack tray with, with olives. And I'm just thankful for that, Lord. And I pray that, God, we have the most fun coming up this week, these weekends, Lord. I pray the blessing of God. God, I, on Micah and Jerry, on, on Trey, who asked Marsha to marry him, and she said yes. We just thank you, Lord, for, for these marriages coming up. We speak blessing over them. And all God's people said,